The Radio Stingray Podcast is brought to you by our gold sponsor, McNally Jones Staff Lawyers. Proudly supporting the MUA Sydney branch since 1977. Need assistance with employment, industrial or workers' compensation, or any other legal problem? Phone 9233 4744 or visit mcnally.com.au and get a real fighting lawyer on your side. tuned in to Radio Stingray. Well, welcome, comrades, and to our enemies who are listening to us as well. It's been another massive month for us in the MUA Sydney branch. It's been an exciting month. We've had plenty of campaigns, plenty of events, plenty of fights, plenty of struggles. Comrades, can you update us about some of the events that we've had in the last month? Um, Comrade Paul, you went down to Kembla along with the rest of us, comrade. What do you have to say about that? Massive day at the start of the month going down to Port Kembla there with the uh, comrades from the southern New South Wales branch. We've got an Australian shipping industry that needs support, needs to be saved. We're all down there with Sally McManus, Gary Coon, Mick Cross, Rob Patterson and all the crew from the Port Kembla branch. To go and have a rally and go and get the message out, it's time to save Australian shipping. But that's been going on in every port around the coast. We were down there, we were supporting, we were taking up the fight. Good day, good start to another campaign in Port Kembla and something that's going to go on for a long time till we get Aussies back on those ships. 100%. Port Kembla, great port community. All of them out there fighting for justice for seafarers. Keto, we had another big rally down at Port Botany, mate. Every single month we're down there, it seems, on the streets. What were we fighting for this time? Yeah, you're right, Mecca. The community assembly, you know, the people of our communities, again, coming out, fighting for port workers. Three security guards down at Patrick's of Botany, haven't got a job with the new contractor coming over. Patrick's up to the dirty old tricks again. Community come out to fight back and stand up for workers. I'm sure we'll be talking about that later in the podcast. And Joe, it was a sad month in many ways, but a celebration of some fantastic lives, fantastic heroes of our union in um, a couple of funerals that you've attended, Comrade. Can you update the membership about some of those? It's been an absolute, you know, sort of sad, but a fitting month that we lost great comrades like Taffy Sweetenson, Jim Steele and Johnny Underwood. Absolute stalwarts of the union and there's plenty to be said about these great comrades and we paid our respects to them when they left us. Yeah, it's unfortunate that these monumental heroes of the working class and of our union aren't respected in the way that they should be, but we certainly gave them a send-off they deserve. In Jim Steele and Taffy Sweetenson, both dying on, on Merchant Navy Day, just a couple of hours apart, back together again like they always were, fighting from the front. Comrades, we have another massive show for you. We'll be giving you updates in relation to EAs, disputes and campaigns. We'll be interviewing Nat Wosley about our anti-nuclear campaigns. We'll be giving you an update about amalgamations and other branch news. You're listening to Radio Stingray. At Unity Bank, we are 100% committed to maritime workers. We pride ourselves on delivering better all-round value to our members and their families. Unity Bank, proud supporter of the Maritime Union of Australia, and sponsor of this podcast. You're listening to Radio Stingray, and our next item is EAs. Joe, you've been uh, involved in a few EAs this month, comrade. Can you update the members? 
Yes, Macca. Look, uh, we've got a pretty serious one with the Port Authority. You know, we've been negotiating with, with these recalcitrants all year and the members had had enough, so they decided to put a ballot on them. Last Tuesday, they opted for a 24-hour stoppage of the pilot cutter cruise. What happened after that or what happened leading up to the dispute was disgraceful. The Port Authority took out Section 418 orders against these workers, writs in fact, and, you know, really threatening them, sending them other letters and saying, if you go ahead with this dispute, you're going to be in all sorts of trouble. But what it done, it really solidified the workers because the workers just turned around and say, well, if that's the way you want to operate, well, we're going to give it to you. And we're going to... And that's what's happening now. Now, we beat that. We went to the Fair Work Commission. We went to the Fair Work Commission on, at 2 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. And we were able to beat the fair, uh, we were able to beat the employer. We knocked the employer back because we had the determination of the workforce behind us. The workers knew that the union wasn't going to let them down. We had some amazing results in the commission. Things that, you know, things like uh, perishable cargoes. They were classifying, would you believe, reefers, refrigerated containers, as being perishable. Now, we were able to convince the Commission that this wasn't the case. Now, that, in fact, now is not, a, is not an issue and will never raise its head again. We're taking another ballot out against these people because of their rotten attitude and treatment of the workforce and we're going to wind that up. We'll, we'll go all right with that. We've got uh, INCO. INCO uh, EBA is just about ready to be signed off. A lot of struggle there with those bunker barges. But the good part about it is, too, there will be, there will be a ship's inspection on the 9th of, this mu- of October, of which I will go out and inspect your ship, a tanker. So we've got new tonnage coming on the coast because of our resolve, the union's resolve. CSL, the uh, disputes of the uh, EBAs with CSL, they're rolling through and we're going okay with them, you know. And they're, they're another employer that are hard-nosed. They're very hard-nosed. But the workers have a determination to back the union right up. We have a EBA coming up with uh, TK with a vessel called the Sycamore. We're going okay with that. Warren Smith and I are going through the issues there and the EBA with that. So all, all up, Macca. We're going okay, mate. We'll keep fighting. Well done, Joe. And that um, the strike action that was taken by the Port Authority members last Tuesday, I understand was the first strike action taken since 1992. And that just goes to demonstrate that this union, we don't need to rely on our past. The current membership are determined and are willing to stand up and fight back. And whatever action we need to take to secure the outcomes we need, we'll do so. And that means if it's new action not taken for decades, We'll go into it as hard and as often as we need to to win. So well done to the Port Authority members. A great result there, and it looks like we're going to get an agreement as a consequence. Keto, you've got a number of EAs, comrade, but can you just give us an update on a couple? Yeah, two main ones, comrades. Uh, Patrick's truck drivers, uh, they're integrated in the uh, Patrick's rail operations, moving, shifting the boxes between the rail and the yard and uh, back again. This is, this is a very important one for the branch because this work is contained under our right to represent these workers. It's a corporate decision by Patrick's to try and hive off work that has always been our work. 
and we're fighting back on this. The branch won't stop until we deliver the same standards, wages and conditions that these that every wharfie has in the port for these workers. I want to let you in on this, though, comrades, what these workers are subjected to. They work a 72-hour week just to make ends meet. They're on poor hourly rates, and these workers member, are all members of ours, the MUA. They've got the logger claims. Uh, the logger claims reflect the industry uh, itself, you know, underpinned by the Stevedore and Industry Award, and they're prepared to fight for some justice, and the branch will back them all away. Cuba playing up, let me tell you. They're playing up because they want to try and um, undermine uh, the industry, and we're not going to have anything of it. So good on them, uh, the comrades. Stick together and we'll get there. Calmar, the Calmar Maintenance EA is underway. The negotiations started uh, about five weeks ago. We've had three meetings, the last one today. And the body of work uh, that the members put together in a log of claims fundamentally is about the scope of work, the traditional area of work that's all been theirs, and under this rotten system, uh, which includes the sham contract, but the rotten system that they're subjected to by subcontracted arrangements means that they've got to fight for their right to work. The scope of work, the job security, all must be underpinned by this agreement. They're prepared to fight for their right to work and the branch will be there and fight alongside them and whatever they need, they'll get. 100% right, Keto. And I just can't believe the obstinacy of this mob. Last uh, podcast, Radio Stingray, we were suggesting that we were back on track with the relationship with Patrick's. Well, guess what? We're not on track. We're completely off track. And here we have an example where, you know, at DP World, we've got the ITV operators. At um, Over at Hutchison, we've got forklift operators and also the shuttle drivers performing this work. And at Patrick's, at the height of the, the struggle around automation, they hived it off to the truck drivers so that they could hive off this work, which is Wharfie's work. The truck drivers get that. They're fantastic comrades and so good to have them in our union. They are full of fight. And they are ready for a fight to the death to achieve the justice that they deserve. And they will have the full backing of every single member of the MUA Sydney branch. And it's a great outcome. Also at Kalmar, very important that every member understands out there that this branch will fight against uh, the outsourcing of jobs. And we've seen it too often, particularly instigated by Patrick's, particularly since the 1998 lockout where they determined that they were only going to have a few waterside workers performing work in that terminal and hive off everything else. So that uh, struggle uh, is continuing, and I'm sure with the wonderful membership that we have there in the maintenance shed that we'll get the result we deserve. And comrades, just a couple of quick updates in relation to DP World Logistics. We spoke last time about the uh, recalcitrance of the the leadership or the, ma- the the management team out there at Port Botany in DP World Logistics. They were preventing us from gaining access to the site on four occasions. Well, now guess what? What they've basically done is they've herded the membership into the MUA and uh, we can't wait to represent all of those wonderful new members of the MUA Sydney branch down there at DP World Logistics and getting them the justice that they deserve because they've made it absolutely clear to us that they're sick and, sick and tired of being treated the way that they are. They want an enterprise agreement and we can't wait to get one for them. And in relation to Cube Logistics, well, that's just going along very slowly. Unfortunately, we've got the backdrop 
of uh, Patrick Soonis, along with Cube now. Cube have joined that uh, court case against us and are suing the MUA. So we'll see where that ends up. But we've got very long memories. We're, we're, we're better than elephants. And uh, if Cube thinks that they're going to get away with this short-term narrow-mindedness, thinking that a couple of million dollars out of the MUA is going to stop us fighting, I'll tell you what. I said to them, they can take 50 million off us, but they're worth four and a half billion or nine billion dollars. We'll make sure if they get our 50, we'll get every cent of that nine billion dollars they're worth straight off them. So I'm looking forward to those struggles, comrades, and I hope to give you an uh, EA update in the next Radio Stingray podcast. So comrades, once again, you're listening to Radio Stingray. We'll talk to you straight after this advertisement. This segment is brought to you by RT Health, your industry mutual not-for-profit health fund that has been looking after members like you since 1889. Call us on 1300 564646 to find out how you can join the crew and benefit from the exclusive MUA health plan. All right, comrades, the next item up for grabs is disputes. And um, if there's no disputes left, I'll give up the game. I'll resign. So uh, for all those bosses out there, if you want me to resign from office, stop blowing us. Um, Comrades, Paul Garrett, we'll go to you first, comrade. You've got a few disputes you want to update the members on. I think I confirm, you know, when the Muppets grew up and got older where they actually went, it's HR management land. I've dealt with some of the biggest Muppets in the last four weeks, but then again, I don't think I'm on an island here. I think in the last podcast, we reported about some of the problems going on with Barangaroo and down at the ferries. First, I want to give a shout-out to the manager who's no doubt updating her resume and LinkedIn profile because she's not going to be there that long. Um, one of the most disgraceful acts I've seen in 14 years and putting workers off wages when there's a situation that they, that just shouldn't have happened. I'm not going to name her and I'm not going to name the situation. But I know she listens in and I look forward to talking to her next time and I look forward to, you know, wishing her the best in her next career. Um, with Barangaroo, last time we'd done the podcast, there was a serious situation there where one of the uh, crane barges failed and put the wire rope uh, right through the face of Luda Park. Um, one of the most disgraceful acts we've seen in a long time when it comes to safety, but then again, not that long because it was only six months early and there was a fatality on another crane barge. This month, comrades, I've been uh, with Safe Work New South Wales being interviewed and assisting with their investigations and inquiries in regards to those two accidents that should never have happened and certainly will say here, as I've said there, that there should be no less than a cranial inquest um, in regards to these situation and what took place in that terrible fatality that should never have happened. And we go to Barangaroo next and what's happening now, we're still having safety issues at Barangaroo. And again, I might as well give a shout-out to the bloke at Transport for New South Wales who's overseen the project, another Muppet who wouldn't know what's going on. The barge broke away, the pontoons down, that are tied up down there have failed this week and his uh, expert engineering vice was tie a bit of rope around it. So we're dealing with some real clowns. We know that there's some serious safety intervention taking place as this is recorded and next week, again, going in to fix what's already been fixed by Transport for New South Wales. I just want to go and note, and I'll stop on this, but thank the committee and the safety delegates who've been involved in this campaign to try and make sure that there's a safe workplace for workers. And certainly with the disputes and what's taken place, it's actually translating into new jobs and permanent jobs for our members down there. Well, thanks for that, Paul. And it's just given us another reason to be confident in this Berejiklian government. They had a wharf held together by two pins and one of them was missing. Can you believe it? Yeah, two pins, one's down. And that's the best you're going to get out of the state government. Yeah, exactly. Well, that wharf's been shut down. So, um, Keto, mate, if there's a heavyweight champion in the world of having disputes with companies, it's you, comrade. One of the things that we are very proud of is that we're never, ever going to allow a relationship to get in between our members and an outcome, a just outcome, and you've got a number of disputes to update us on, Comrade. 
Yeah, I sure have, comrade. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm waiting for the day when we burn this Industrial Relations Act because we'll come after these bosses the way they treat our members and workers at large. Uh, the disputes. The first one, Cube Sydney Harbour. We met with the company, the committee and the branch. We met with them a month ago about a number of issues, but one of them that's um, running hot is we found the travel allowance is not being paid properly. So that's in dispute, and I'll keep the members posted in, re- in regards to where that goes. TGS Security, uh, again, another subcontractor uh, under Patrick's. TGS are on the way out, but on the way out, they're going to be given the biggest headache they've ever had in their life. They're robbing our guys, our members, of redundancy payments. There's three workers, as you know, uh, out there, comrades, the dispute down there relating to three security guards moving over to the new contractor. Uh, They'll be unfair dismissals and also um, public holiday payments. Calmar. We've got a Calmar dispute regarding the scope of work. Their enterprise agreement outlines that all stores work is ours. Uh, Again, a contractor, subcontractor under Patrick's. We're fighting that. That's a dispute ongoing. Patrick's dispute. No surprise. Patrick's is always uh, on the radar. Patrick's disputes in regards to the enterprise agreement uh, and other matters relating to the employment relationship with subcontractors. And it relates to the store's work and Patrick's aren't honouring their contract with Calmar. That dispute's ongoing, as well as the TGS security guards that should be transferred over to the new employer. DP World, well, DP World, it's about a drug and alcohol issue. Uh, This is a dispute where a worker sought uh, another job within the business outside of the terminal, and they had to go and undertake a drug test, a hair follicle test. How about that one, comrades? You've got to take a hair follicle test. Talk about overreach from any company. Talk about your civil rights being breached and everything else that goes with it. That's a matter that's in dispute. We won't stop until we win. It's a civil right, human rights issue as well. There's a breach in the agreement under a whole host of components, which includes even the breach in their own policies. Thanks for that, Keto. There's a number of disputes there. That last one... I mean, fair income. What are they doing watching too many Seppo crime shows thinking that they're going to be getting the tweezers out, um, getting our plucking, plucking eyebrows or, um, it, you know, every maritime worker will be coming to work shaved up to the hilt and wax, you know, going and getting waxed to make sure there's no hair, hair to steal off us. Unbelievable. Which, and you're right, it is overreach because workers aren't owned 24-7 by companies. If they want to own us for 24-7 hours, you know, 24 hours a day, then pay us 24 hours a day. They only pay us for eight or 12-hour shifts, When and, and then they think they can get away with it. It's absolutely social engineering at its worst, and we are going to fight back against DP World, and I think it just demonstrates that they're never satisfied. You know, they can't they can't be happy with just understanding what drugs or alcohol we've had in our systems for the last um, six months. They have to then go and test our hair to see what we've been doing after the last, you know, 10 years. Absolutely ridiculous. We'll be fighting DP World. There's a number of DP World campaigns. I've got a few disputes at the moment. One of them is uh, the VSE leave. In the agreement, it couldn't be more black and white. VSE leave is to be paid on the basis of 152nd of your minimum salary plus 27.5% loading. 
Myself and uh, Comrade Warren Smith were in, in the commission today for a number of hours, another waste of time, to get an interpretation from the company which suggests that from 1 July 2017 actually means the payment we would have received last year. Now, I don't think anyone with half a brain cell could possibly come up with an interpretation of from 1 July 2017, meaning 1 July 2016. I mean, are you fed income out there, DP World, if you're listening? Start making decisions based on the facts and based on the truth and based on reality. If you're going to make decisions on the basis of the couple of the ones you've been making lately, we're going to be at war with you like we are with everybody else in the joint. In relation to the uh, seven to eight hours dispute around personal leave, again, interpretation. And it's always the same with DP World. It's always their interpretation. I mean, fair income, what does eight hours mean? It's always meant more than seven to me. I thought that was what the, the number after seven was, eight. You know, there's an old joke about, you know, why was six afraid of seven and all the rest of it. Well, I'll tell you what, seven hours and eight hours means two very, very separate things, yet DP well believe that eight means seven. Another dispute, we're going to win, we're going to win, but all it's done is demonstrate to every single DP World member that their management team doesn't understand numbers and doesn't understand black and white words in an enterprise agreement. No wonder they've got no confidence out there, and the only reason why the joint's staying together is because they're proud of the work that they do. Going over to Patrick's, well, we, we've been blue on them like buggery, and we've seen in the last week, the last seven of the 55 workers who wanted to come back into Patrick's come back in the gate. And wasn't it great to be out there at Smoko just a couple of days ago and seeing those faces that haven't been inside that terminal for three years. And you heard me talk about elephants before. We will never, ever forget the crimes that have been committed against us by these bosses everywhere. And the 55, just like in the mid-90s, when they, when Patrick's through Corrigan, that rotten parasite, sacked 55 of our elected delegates. You talk about democracy. These fascist thugs sacked 55 of our delegates down there at Darling Harbour. We got every single one of those 55 back. It's taken us three years to get these 55 back in the gate, but we've done so. And we're going to make sure through the labor pool that we're going to give everybody an opportunity who has lost their jobs through recalcitrant management teams, their opportunity to work in the industry that they chose once again. So it's a fantastic initiative that we've won, the labor pool. We've achieved some extraordinary results, I've got to say. And there's another massive uh, victory that I want Paul Garrett to update us on in relation to Sydney Ferries. But we are winning in the Sydney branch for all of the troubles, for all of the difficulties. We've seen the elimination of most of the attacks that we've sustained over the last 20 years under enterprise employment. And I'm looking forward to us dismantling and smashing every bit of authority that the bosses have taken off us in the last 20 odd years of enterprise employment. We believe in the collective. We believe in justice. And every attack by the boss will be met with a greater one by us. So, Comrade Garrett, can you give us an update about the dismantling of casualisation at Sydney Ferries, Comrade? I'm not comfortable speaking after you, Mac, and you know that. And I think the one legacy that the four of us go by, and certainly was ingrained in us when we are at Hutchison's in Port Botany, was the when uh, the workers are under attack, what do we do? Stand up and fight back. And I just want to make note of that in regards to your report, mate. We've all, the four of us, have all worked in regards to casualisation and getting rid of it. We've seen some of the massive work that's been done on the wharves to do so, and we're just taking that lesson 
back down to Sydney Ferries as we have done before. While we're recording this podcast now, at request of the branch executive, we've got delegates in the room talking to management about what to do with the casuals down there and how to deal with it. Now, this has been going on for two or three weeks behind the scenes with a number of discussions and basically educating some managers, some who are listening and some who are just absolute blonks, but getting them to a position where they realise that our members are there doing a great job day in, day out, moving passengers, 15 million passengers every year around one of the best harbours in the world. No stuff at the best harbour in the world. They're not sitting by a telephone any longer without wages. They're entitled to get a wage, they're entitled to work, and they're entitled to do a good job after they've got both of them. But we've had enough. There's been some great discussions and some smart discussions from the site uh, shop committee. I thank those delegates that have been involved. But where we're at, Macca, to, to get to the point, um, there's a process in place now where the company's come back and said, all current casuals, we want to have a discussion now about moving them into permanent employment or a permanent part-time model of employment, which sees everyone get a regular wage in their week. So before Christmas comes, they're going to get their present early. They're getting permanent jobs and permanent part-time jobs. They're getting security and employment. They're getting wages in their pocket every fortnight. That's what we stand for as a trade union. So we stand for everyone getting a quality and a fair shake. Well, thanks for that. And I've got to say, it, it fills you with so much pride when you can turn a casual job into a full-time one. And the nature of insecurity, we set it out the front of Turnbull's office. Here you have these parasites in Parliament running out there on the nightly news programs talking about security. Security for what? And security for who? If they are fair income about security, they will Give people security of employment, security of healthcare, security of housing. That's the security that we as a union fight for. But Malcolm Turnbull and his little parasites continue to give us the idea that somehow we don't deserve that security. Well, Joe, you gave us a brief update about the tanker that's coming on the coast. We are losing vessels um, by their dozen in the last few years, and now we have vessels coming back onto the coast. Can you just give our seafarers out there who have gone through extraordinary difficulties in the last few years a bit of confidence that not only are we winning jobs back on our coast, we're also um, lessening the jobs on the database? Yes, Baker, it's true. Look, to get this tanker, I mean, it's not here yet, but it is going to come, and I will be going to expect it, as I uh, said earlier. This gives our members a bit of heart. When the database starts to move, when jobs are starting to free up, when you get these poor souls as a result of these rotten low so-and-sos down in Canberra just shutting the whole industry down because they hate a union, when these workers ring up and say, thank you, and I can tell you, as an official... And I'm sure I speak for my other three comrades here. There's nothing better in this world. You know, you can win a dispute about pay, about conditions. But when a worker rings you up and says, thanks, Joe, thanks, Paul, thanks, Macca, thanks, PG, I got a job. There's nothing more gratifying than that. Now, we're fighting, you know, contrary to a lot of the knockers out there and the doubting Thomases that say, oh, you're doing nothing. You're watching the industry go down in the tubes. That is that far from the truth is not funny. We're fighting tooth and nail for every seafarer, for every maritime worker to have dignity of employment and to have continued employment, not to be thrown on the scrap heap, you know, like old boots, being replaced by exploited seafarers, 
You don't flag our convenience vessels, death traps. These poor souls, they're not our enemy. The rotten, dirty bastards that are using them as cannon fodder against us, they're the enemy, and the enemies are the cashers of this world, the Turnbulls and the likes down in Canberra. We're fighting back, backer, and the members know this, comrade. Protect, Australia's leading severance and income protection fund for maritime workers. For a site visit or further information on how to get Protect in your enterprise agreement, contact Craig Johnson on 0400 671 274. Welcome back to Radio Stingray. We're uh, here. Mac is not. He's gone for a walk around the block just to cool off, so I'm sure he'll be joining us back in a few minutes. Kudo, there's been a few things going on in the campaigning, Len. What have you been up to, mate? Yeah, a couple of campaigns, PG. Uh, big one down at Port Botany. Last Saturday, there was a community assembly. You know, the community um, picks up, uh, you know, what's going on around in the port. And they'd heard about three security guards that uh, weren't going to be transferred over to the new contractor down at Patrick's. Again, Patrick's up to its old tricks. You see, these principal contractors like Patrick's, the big companies, they subcontract this work out so that they can exploit workers. They can tell the subcontractors what to do, who they want, who they don't. Well, we don't cop it. These workers are MUA members. And so that the members know about what's going on, for seven months we were bargaining for an agreement for these workers. Um, These workers weren't satisfied with the company's offer and they lawfully determined that they would vote to put a protected action ballot on. What? Not even a week and a half goes by and Patrick's announces that they're not going to um, continue with the contract with TGS, the security company, and a new company would take its place. But you see, these these are situations about workers being thrown on in the gutter by these companies. It gets around. Word gets around about what happens to workers and the community stood up and they convened down in uh, Port Botany on Saturday. Joey Deacon and myself went down there and you know how it is. When it comes to campaigns like that, we always feed the mob. We always feed our community. And we brought down the barbecue and the um, sausage rolls and, you know, and the old cooks and that got to uh, work and we're feeding the uh, community. And we had them from right across, you know, just the mums and dads, the CFMEU, you know, uh, comrades were there, Teachers Federation, the Communist Party, um, a number of other political organisations, uh, but by and large, it was the community. When it comes to this stuff, when it comes to workers' rights, regardless of the shit house laws that we've got industrially, we're going to stand up for workers. And it was wonderful. Uh, the other campaign is always the campaign for our industry, and it's um, safety, waterfront safety. Uh, there are two things at the moment uh, DP World, the um, HSRs and safety facilitators and delegates are always on the ball. I got a call from, uh, you know, uh, our comrades. Dunny, give me a call about a vessel. Come on to Australian waters, the Beijing Bridge. Non-compliance with Marine Orders 32. Uh, and this is the thing, you know, with our membership. They, they're organised. They speak to each other in other ports. This vessel went down to Melbourne. 
The uh, the delegates down there, the HSRs, the safety facilitators got cracking. It certainly didn't come up to standard, but they were concerned about the seafarers. They got hold of um, AMSA. The workers said, we're not working this. This needs a lot of work to be done. We're standing by. We're going to do a full and thorough inspection. AMSA comes down, detains the vessel. The delegates down there call our comrades up here in Sydney and they go about doing the same thing. Scotty Atkins did a great job in the inspection. Uh, what it means? It means that safety for wharfies, paramount. And more importantly, on top of that, all workers, the seafarers. Uh, the other one is down at Hutchison, very briefly. It's about the workforce Dublin and uh, the workers are seeking more HSRs. Good campaign, will win. Thanks for that, Kudo. Massive campaigns going on down there in Port Botany. Joe, World Maritime Day last week. Tell us a bit about that. Well, yet again, I mean, once a year we celebrate the great contributions made by merchant seafarers the world over. These seafarers have sacrificed their lives in defending the world against European fascism and Japanese militarism. Every year we do this because we do it because they committed themselves to making sure that we were free. But in doing so, they were pioneers of the shipping industry. They were nation builders. They built the ships. They, you know, they plied the trades on those ships. And what's happening now? I mean, it's a great day. It's always a sombre day, particularly when we paid great respects to Taft Sweetness and a Jim Steele on the day because of their wonderful contribution. But what, what the day is also about is making sure that the young people within the industry now are going to wear, you know, going to bear the fruit of what these people have done to keep an industry going. And we have to make sure, we have to make doubly sure that these seafarers of today that have been thrown on the scrap heap by the Conservatives in Canberra, that they're given them a chance to work in the industry. We're fighting back. And in Sydney, what we say, get them back up the gangway. That's what we say, and we'll keep, we'll keep going until we do. And the other proposal I want to talk about, Paul, is to get a seafarer school up and running in Sydney. Now, you know, it's very well, very well and good to have this beautiful school over run by metal over in Henderson in the west. But ship owners now, in this day and age, they won't pay people's way to get over there and train. Now, myself and Simon Earl from Metal, we're going out there, we're talking to the authorities out there at DY TAFE, the Seafarers TAFE, and we're talking seriously about getting a school up and running for East Coast Seafarers so they don't have to wear the brunt of the expenses of getting themselves over to the West to train. It's early days with this, comrade, very early days, but the Sydney branch is optimistic we can get something up and running. Well, I just got from me walk around the block. Um, I feel a lot better and a lot calmer, so I'm not going to get overly excited. And the first thing I want to do, Joe, is uh, um, give a big round of applause for your efforts in organising World Maritime Day yet again, along with the, our staff, our wonderful staff in the Sydney branch. Um, but Conrad Garrett, you also uh, participated in the day's festivities, once again being the MC for the day. You've done a great job. Can you go, 
give us a little bit more information about that glorious day? Yeah, look, Macker, it's a great day, and you guys always bestow the honour of me every year um, to actually be the MC of the day and do the formalities where we lay ruse uh, for a number of comrades, for a number of ships that have been lost, for those who've served, whether they went to war or whether they went to work. I mean, merchant seafarers, we know that one in eight died in World War II by simply going to work, and it's a very sombre moment. Um, we had about seven different ruse and different comrades had the opportunity to lay the wreath. Obviously, for Taffy and Jim was the uh, moment where the Sydney branch could go out of our way and pay respect to those two comrades' lives. Um, great ceremony. For me, it was a little bit hard, though, looking down at the front row because usually every year you look down and you see champions, and one particular one that I was missing was Billy Langlois, that every year the, some of these great old-timers that have been there and been absolute stalwarts of the industry have moved on. They're not there anymore, and it's just a sad loss. But... It's our responsibility and duty to celebrate their lives and celebrate their service to the merchant navy and to the shipping industry in large and what they've done to better conditions for seafarers all around the world. It was a really good day, Maker, and great to be part of it. And it's on the last uh, Tuesday in September every year. I hope there's more people next year to be part of it. I suppose there's been a few other things going on as well, and I just want to touch on one before I throw back to you, mate. Last month I, I went on a bit as well about the same-sex marriage, as many, as many of us have in this debate. It's still one of the most ridiculous postal surveys that have ever gone out from this Turnbull government or from any government. $122 million that could be reinvested into social housing, into welfare, into jobs, anything else but a bloody postal ballot survey. But it's the best we've got out of this lazy government who shouldn't, who hasn't put that vote to a floor of the parliament and just got on with the job and enacted same-sex marriage. But it's out there and we're supporting a yes vote. Comrades, the ballot closes off in, on uh, October 18 at 6pm. You get the mail, you have to fill it out, you have to tick yes, you've got to put it back in the mailbox. And for the younger members, as I said last time, that's the red thing at the end of the street that you've probably never used before because all you do is use Messenger. That's the thing but you know that we all used after email. Comrades, we've, you know, all seriousness now, this is one of the most ridiculous things that this government's done. When two people are in love, they should be allowed to get married. It's as simple as that. Get involved, be part of the campaign, vote yes, post it back, let's get on with it. Thanks for that, Paul. And if one of the things that I've learned out of this same-sex marriage um, plebiscite issue is that there's, there are missed opportunities. And what about that uh, great comrade from down in Tasmania? Um, he had all the best intentions in the world, but unfortunately he, he missed and apparently only gave Abbott a bit of a, um, a fat lip. He deserved a hell of a lot more for that imbecile. And that's what he is, a rotten low parasite out there saying that he's the most hardest done by um, person in the Australian community because he, he got a bit of a love tap. What about the hundreds, the hundreds of young people that have killed themselves as a consequence of not having their sexuality recognised like everyone else in the community has? And the idea that somehow we're going to deny people the right to marry each other on the basis of their love, and it just because it doesn't look like the mate, you know, the majority, is a disgrace. I'm so sick to death of continuing to have arguments with people about natural justice. This is a natural right for human beings in the 21st century to formalise their love through marriage if they choose to do so. Many of us wouldn't wish that on anybody, but if someone chooses to marry the person that they love, they shouldn't be stopped. And on World Maritime Day, I suppose one tradition came to an end, and that's the jazz band. They don't mind gouging us for a few hundred, a bit, bit more than a few hundred, but we've loved their presence on the bridge. They've been a fantastic tradition. We missed them this year. 
But as um, as Paul and Joe both said, it was a wonderful day where, where we get to recognise the contribution of brave Australian workers who, as was discussed, when they went to work, they were bombed, they were torpedoed, they jumped off the decks of ships um, in, you know, through the flames to save this country from the threat of fascism. And the idea that this government continues to basically deny the celebration and commemoration of these great contributions of Australian maritime workers uh, makes me very, very angry. But nonetheless, we continue to fight and we continue to celebrate. There was a wonderful event during the uh, month down at the Sydney branch with the um, Australian South Sea Islander Association through Imelda Davis and our member Zach Wone as part of the ATSI committee and also the ASSIA uh, who put on a wonderful function with tremendous guests talking about the slavery that existed in this country. We often hear of the slavery that existed in the United States. We, we also have our slavery shame in this country. And 60,000 people from South Sea Islands, these aren't populations of millions. Um, these islands, often with only thousands of people on them each, uh, had to subject themselves to mass deportation from those islands and worked on our um, plantations out here uh, mostly in Queensland, but they also were um, working in New South Wales from the 1860s, and 15,000 of them died through maltreatment. You know, 15,000 slaves died in this country due to the maltreatment of the government. And you know what they did? You know how they rewarded them? They rewarded them through the White Australia policy. Many of these people were in this country for 40-odd years. They were thrown back, thrown out of this country, sent back on ships, uh, back to their islands after 40 years of uh, involvement and investment in this country. So we got to hear a lot about the magnificent contribution and also to ensure that we remember that we are not a nation that forgets our, our past, uh, that we want to improve upon the mistakes that we have made and by educating ourselves and the community on these issues, we continue to give ourselves the best opportunity of not um, repeating those criminal mistakes. The last issue I want to talk about, comrades, is the amalgamation. We've had plenty of debate, plenty of discussion about what this amalgamation means to each and every one of us as MUA members. And uh, we've been given every opportunity as members to participate in this um, amalgamation process, to get an understanding about what union we want to build. And the members have dictated to their leadership that they want an amalgamation that maintains the tremendous traditions and cultures that we've built up over 140 years of our not only maritime union but all of the predecessor unions that came before us all maritime workers out there struggling for the strongest union they can possibly build to defeat the people that assault our daily existence whether it's at work or in our communities and who's the opposition the opposition comrades is Michaela Cash the opposition is Malcolm Turnbull and the rest of the liberal rotten scumbags um, who are denying us the possibility of creating an organisation that's capable of defeating them. No wonder they're scared. This amalgamation is going to build on all of the best traditions that we've got and also it's going to strengthen our ability to represent maritime workers in our own autonomous division. We ain't losing a thing. All we're doing is gaining more strength with more possibilities and more opportunities to defeat all of those rotten bastards that take us on. You've gonna, you're going to get 
get a postal vote, we urge you to get down to your letterbox, make sure you fill out the forms and put them back. We want every member to have their say, whether it's yes, whether it's no, we're urging a yes vote, but we urge you to have your say. Don't allow Turnbull, don't allow the Liberals to deny you the vote to vote on your future. Maritime Employees Training Limited is an independent, not-for-profit industry training body. Governed by the representatives from the MUA, maritime employers and the training sector experts, Metal's goal is to develop the most skillful, safe and efficient maritime workforce globally. Back in 1997, the Alliance Against Uranium came together. Today, it's known as the Australian Nuclear Free Alliance. We had Natalie Wosley, one of the branch members, go down to the uh, conference down in Adelaide last month to go and attend on behalf of the MUA and represent at this important forum. Natalie, welcome to Radio Stingray. Good to have you here. Thanks very much. What happened down in Adelaide? Well, it was pretty exciting meetings. As you said, it's been 20 years since the Alliance first convened and it was mere our traditional owners in the top end of the NT that called for supporters all around the country to come together and join them in their campaign back then against Jabaluka, but also looking at the uranium mine proposals and operating mines that were in South Australia. So it's quite a unique alliance. It's traditional owners from areas directly affected by uranium and nuclear projects, along with campaigners from trade unions, environment groups and health organisations. The alliance prides itself on being a forum for sharing knowledge, skills and experience. What did you? What can you bring back from the conference? Well, because of funding and resources and just you know, how remote many people live. It's only once a year that people actually get together face-to-face at this meeting. And it's really a place for people to share stories of how the government and the companies are approaching communities, the tactics they're trying to use to get people to agree to mines and push these projects ahead. And so it's a chance to share those stories and then strategize together, prioritize what the movement's collectively going to look at. So at the moment, there's a very important campaign to stop a national nuclear waste dump being built in South Australia. There's three proposed sites, and this is a struggle that's been going on for more than two decades to stop a national waste dump being built. So that's top of the list. And what was the response in South Australia? I know there's been a lot of lobbying of Premier Jay Weatherall there to make sure he pays attention, so does his government. What? How do you feel it went down there? Is there real attention? Is it being taken seriously by the politicians? Well, we had a session which was actually looking at wins and celebrating some of our wins because it's easy to get bogged down in what is happening and then forget about the little successes along the way. So we have stopped nuclear waste dumps over the decade, um, a couple of decades actually. And recently the international nuclear waste dump that was proposed by Jay Weatherall was stopped. So it was really important to acknowledge that it was the real push by community members that stopped that international dump proposal and Weatherall essentially said that's dead now. So we're turning our attention to the national dump. What lessons can you put back to the listeners on Radio Stingray about the Australian Nuclear Free Alliance and why it's important that the MUA Sydney branch, the MUA and all workers in Australia are involved in this important campaign? Sure. Well, there's two main parts to that, I think. Well, firstly, it's transport workers who are directly affected by this industry as well because it's us who are unloading, transporting and then emergency responders who'd be coming if there was an incident. So we're also on the front line of dealing with these radioactive products and so there's that risk to workers. Secondly, it's remote Indigenous communities both in Australia and around the world that are essentially targeted by this industry. So we need to continue that long history of solidarity with affected remote Aboriginal communities and fight to stop you know, their lands being poisoned by this, their societies being ripped apart because the divide and tactic 
divide and conquer tactics of the industry haven't stopped. You know, they're essentially really going in there and trying to force people to say yes to this for small amounts of compensation and for things that they should be getting anyways, basic citizenship rights. So looking at money for housing, looking at money for education scholarships. So we have to push for justice for everybody to be given these basic services and not have these high impact long-term hazardous projects on their country in exchange. Well, Uranium Mining is a very emotional and emotive issue. What do you have to say, Natalie, um, in regards to fighting back against these injustices? Well, Australia's been involved in this industry since the nuclear bomb tests happened and people weren't notified or moved, so they've been directly affected for generations, the health impacts of this industry. And we see now that that injustice continues with people locked out of their country where uranium mines are operating and being forced to take these high-impact projects essentially for tiny amounts of compensation or nothing at all. So we really need to stand together with these communities and during the campaign to stop the nuclear dump in the Northern Territory. We had people saying that they would not allow this dump to go ahead and be built. People wouldn't transport the waste, they wouldn't unload the waste and they'd stand shoulder to shoulder with traditional owners un on country to blockade those trucks if they were going to come. So we need to maintain that sentiment to stop the waste being moved wherever it is. You know, we live in Sydney here, really close to the nuclear reactor, and what we hear from the government all the time is that if we don't have this nuclear waste dump, that people are going to die from cancer. And we need to smash that argument because it's not true. Health organisations say consistently that that's an absolute lie. We can produce nuclear medicines without a nuclear reactor, and we don't need a dump to manage the waste that we currently have at the moment. So we need to make sure that people have accurate information and are standing shoulder to shoulder with the people most directly affected by this toxic industry. Well, fair enough. And that's very important to stand up against these nuclear waste dumps. Natalie Wosley from the Executive, just want to thank you for going down, representing the members of the MUA in this very important forum and making sure we're part of this, this important struggle to stop the uranium uh, dumping in Australia. Um, thanks very much for joining, on, joining us on Radio Stingray today. Thanks. And it was great to link up with the South Australian branch down there too. Well, there you have it. Another massive uh, Radio Stingray podcast. Keto, what do you reckon, comrade? Yeah, it was good. It was great. Uh, but we want to know from the members and the rank and file out there. We want to know what the workers' issues are and the feedback's very important. Listen, I want to know this word, follicle testing. I've got a bit of a yarn about follicle testing. You ever heard the one about the bloke who cut holes in his pockets? You bald bloke. Didn't have a hair in his head and he cut holes in his pockets. And you know what he'd done it for? so he could still run his fingers through his hair. Well, there you go, Joe. I don't know what to say to that one. Shout out to the boys at DP World. Make sure you attend to the Rubik's Cubes. Um, and those who are in uh, Facebook land or iTunes land, jump on, leave a review, leave us some feedback, jump on the page, let us know what you think. It's been a long episode, but we've only touched the surface of what's going on in the branch. And as we always finish every podcast with, if you can see a drop of water, join the mighty Maritime Union of Australia. See you, comrades. See you, boys. Girls. See you, comrades. tuned in to Radio Stingray. Radio Stingray podcast was brought to you by McNally Jones Staff Lawyers, assisting MUA members and their families for 40 years. Phone 9233 4744 
or visit mcnally.com.au and get McNally's on your side.